Hello everyone, my name is Annalise Vanderwater and we are here today with Alyssa Hubs to talk about her experience with SMA syndrome or superior mesenteric artery syndrome. First thing I want to do is explain SMA and give some information found from research articles and case studies. SMA is defined by the Org National Organization for Rare Disease as a rare condition that involves compression of the third portion of the duodenum which is the upper part of the small intestines just past the stomach. This condition occurs when the third part of the duodenum is compressed between two arteries. The main artery of the body called the abdominal aorta or AA and one of the branches called SMA. The SMA provides blood supply to the small intestines and the first part of the colon. Compression of the SMA against the AA can prevent duodenal contents from draining into the jejunum, upper small intestine, hence the inability to get proper nutrition, leading to weight loss and malnutrition. While researching SMA, I found several case studies instead of academic journals, which I believe is due to the diversity of this disease. Each case has different circumstances and different causes. For instance, a 19-year-old man was diagnosed with SMA syndrome, but was caused from having to take chemotherapy for diffusion large B-cell lymphoma. Another study reported a 26-year-old male was admitted to the emergency room with gastrointestinal obstructive symptoms of 24-hour duration with association aspiration pneumonia and septic shock. Past medical history was significant for multiple previous admissions due to chronic pancreatitis, secondary to alcoholism, type 1 diabetes, schizophrenia, and epilepsy. The symptoms are found in patients with mild obstruction that may have abdominal pain and digestion and fullness. While those having significant obstruction usually describe weight loss and recurrent vomiting. The initial non-surgical treatment implies internal and intravenous nutrition with a high calorie diet intake, which is sufficient to restore the fat and permeability. Insertion of a feeding tube may be required, but the majority of patients recover with an oral diet. So, Alyssa, could you introduce yourself? Hi, I'm Alyssa Hubs, and I'm 20 years old. What is your experience with SMA syndrome? SMA, SMA syndrome, if you could give us a timeline. Um, it goes back about two years. I had begun to have abdominal pain after eating meals. And whenever I would eat, I would get full really fast. So I couldn't eat full meals. Um, then that led to weight loss. And it was just gradual at first. Um, and then... I started to not eat much at all because it would make me uncomfortable. Um, and then my senior year graduation of high school, I went to dinner with my family and I ate more than I usually would and it really upset my stomach and I got really 
nauseous and I threw up and I kept throwing up for a couple hours until my mom took me to the emergency room and they had no idea what was wrong. They assumed it was because I smoked weed. They thought I had cyclical vomiting syndrome or um, some kind of reaction to smoking marijuana. So everybody was telling me it was my fault that I was sick. But they ended up doing a bunch of tests and scans. After taking another look at my ultrasound, they found that they discovered that my duodenum artery was smushed at an angle where I couldn't process any food. So the fat pad that usually keeps open the artery was so significantly small that it wasn't able to hold open the passageway for food to process and that's when they discovered that I had SMA syndrome so they put in a feeding tube and I had an all-liquid diet so when I had a feeding tube I still got hungry because the food that they put me on it's kind of like baby formula basically it is just a bunch of protein and calories so that way you can gain the most weight you, you as you can and how long did you have to have it in for I had it in for about two months two to three months okay um I worked my way up with soft foods I started with liquids and then went to soft foods and then got back to whole foods so how significant was your weight gain after you had the feeding tube in mm-hmm. okay well I was usually 120 pounds when I was in the hospital I was for the first time I was 99 pounds so I'd lost about 20 22 pounds um and for my height that was not okay I looked very unhealthy. How tall are you? Just I'm five six. Okay. Um and how much did you weigh after the diet and the feeding tube? After the feeding tube I finally got back up to one fifteen and I just kept pushing to get back to one twenty. Um it's harder to gain weight than people think. Yeah. And then what happened the second time around? The second time around, I thought I was all better. How long of a time was it after? It was about four months. Okay. Yeah. So four months later, I thought I was all better. I didn't have the feeding tube anymore. I gained 15, 20 pounds. Um... I started going back into my past habits, like smoking and partying with friends. And one night, 
I drank a little too much and I started throwing up again and I did not stop. So my mom had to come and pick me up and take me to the hospital and I just was vomiting for hours and I wouldn't stop until they gave me Ativan in the hospital, which is basically a drug that is for like a or like anxiety to calm me down enough to stop vomiting so a lot of it is like mental like they think that stress has to do a lot with how how restricted my duodenum artery gets Mm -hmm. So if I'm under a lot of stress, my do I might have a harder time processing food and stuff. Okay. But um yeah. And then what happened? They pretty much did the same thing they did the first time. Mm-hmm. And you were put on a feeding tube again, right? Yeah. Yeah. And how long did that last? I had another feeding tube for Another couple months, they tell you it's going to be like a month and a half to two months, and then you go in to do checkups, and they see how your weight gain, how your weight gain is going, mm-hmm. and basically if you're having any abdominal pain, they they had me drinking like four boosts, six boosts a day, which boosts are those high calorie high protein liquid um drinks that are there to help you gain weight so I was prescribed those along with the feeding tube okay um and then what has happened most recently most recently I've had been experiencing abdominal pain again whenever I eat food it really it's really hard to determine what which foods cause it the abdominal pain it's just kind of random but we started to figure out that like I need to stay away from processed food processed like meats fried food like super greasy food um carbonated stuff and um so that means like no energy drinks, no coffee. I can't be on like a I can't have like citrusy things. It's just a bunch of things I stay away from mm-hmm. just in case. And is this the SMA or is it something completely different? Um it is something different. They had an ultrasound and checked the angle of my duodenum artery and there was no blockage. So they concluded that it was an SMA syndrome. Um, it was. It felt similar, like a similar pain, but not. Um, I was making myself throw up because of the pain. I wasn't um, throwing up uncontrollably like I was before. Mm-hmm. Okay. And how much do you weigh right now? Now I weigh one twenty eight. Okay, so um, with that, um, before being admitted into the hospital, how was your physical, mental, and emotional health? It was 
shit. <laughs> it was awful. Yeah. Um, I was in a really bad place. My mom was unhappy with my life choices and my dad was a drug addict is a drug addict Mm -hmm. um and my sister was struggling with wanting to kill herself and I was struggling trying to want to fix all of that Mm -hmm. and trying to be there for them I wanted help but I didn't know how to get it. So I started smoking weed a lot. It was kind of like my self, I called it like my self-medication. Like, so instead of getting therapy and medications to help with my anxiety and depression, I just kept smoking weed, and that was really just a band-aid over Mm -hmm. all my problems, and it just kept getting worse and building up. Mm -hmm. This kind of, that kind of leads to my next question. Um, Would you say that there were any bad habits that led you to your diagnosis? If so, what were they? Um, Which you kind of explained Mm -hmm. um, the marijuana use, but was there anything else that you'd say was also unhealthy? My eating habits were unhealthy. Mm-hmm. I would eat basically only when I smoked. So, um, that was the only time I really was started to be able to eat. So, mm-hmm. I would smoke more often so I could eat. Mm. And then I, um, I drank occasionally. Mm-hmm. But... Not nearly as much as I smoked weed. Yeah. Was it more, would you say it's more controlled, air, like, substance for you than weed? Sorry, what do you mean? Like, were you, um, do you have more self-control with, like, drinking than with weed? Or would you say it's about the same? Um, I don't like drinking nearly as much as I like smoking weed, so... I think it was easier to stay away from uh-huh. okay. alcohol. But in general, it's like I come from a family of addicts and I am an addict myself. So anything that has an effect on my brain that I like, I tend to get addicted to that feeling. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. Um. Did you have complications with nurses or doctors giving you wrong information and not explaining the information well? Yes. I was treated very poorly whenever I first was admitted to the hospital because my drug screen came back as positive for THC. So immediately they assumed it was just cyclical vomiting syndrome. Mm-hmm caused by marijuana use basically there's a there's a idea that some people are allergic to weed so whenever they smoke weed they go through like a toxic shock Mm -hmm. or something like that and so they treated me very very poorly um 
because they thought it was my fault. They were mm-hmm. kind of like, you deserve this. Like, mm-hmm. they wouldn't give me any medic. They wouldn't give me, like, medications right away. They kind of, mm-hmm. like, wanted me to sit with it yeah. for a while. Mm-hmm. So it would be hours until I had any type of relief from pain. Yeah. And the only thing that really worked was Ativan, and that is a controlled substance. Mm-hmm. So they don't want to give that to people. Mm-hmm. So it's very difficult to get to a comfortable state after getting in a funk like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, do you think, like, if it was for another reason, like, not because of the weed, or if that didn't come up on your drug screening, do you think they would have treated you differently? I think they definitely would have treated me differently, but even this past time, I was admitted to the hospital they a couple of the hospitals I went to were kind of just like eh like Mm -hmm. they didn't they still like assumed it was my fault and even my mom was like what did you do to start to cause this Mm -hmm. like she was asking me what did I do what did I do all I did was eat like a fucking chicken strip Mm -hmm. and then a couple hours later, I started feeling nauseous. Yeah. But, um, what was your question before? <laughs> Did you have any complications with nurses or doctors giving you wrong information or not explaining the information well? Yes. Um, <laughs> right. Um, they said I had cyclical vomiting syndrome mm-hmm. for the longest time. And that was really hard and confusing. And That's coming up again now, right? Like, you had a doctor try yeah, to diagnose yeah, you with again, that again. Yeah, I had a GI doctor t- try to diagnose me with cyclical vomiting syndrome, but it doesn't actually, like, track correctly. Mm-hmm. It doesn't make sense why it would be cyclical vomiting syndrome because it only happens whenever I eat certain foods. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And cyclical vomiting syndrome is, that's not the case. Mm-hmm. And you stopped using marijuana and yes. drinking. Yes, I have been sober. Um, I got help. I I went to rehab, and I got a psycho psychiatrist mm-hmm. and a therapist. Mm-hmm. So I'm able to manage my emotions correctly now and okay yeah um did professionals ever use verbiage that you did not understand um and were they helpful with answering questions Mm. most of the doctors were not helpful and it was very frustrating um they Sometimes said things I didn't understand, but it probably was because I was out of it mm-hmm. from the Ativan they had me on. Did you have ever, ever have an advocate there with you, or were there times where there's no one there with you and they're trying to explain things? Yes, I typically, I typically had my mom there with me, mm-hmm. and she would consistently vouch for me and tell them that my have to tell them that my pain was completely unbearable because Mm -hmm. I 
just was in so much pain I didn't even know how to explain it yeah okay um what options did you have in order to get back to being healthy medically and personally I know you mentioned the feeding tube um but like was there medication um what did you do in your own personal life um to get back to being healthy they um I wanted I just wanted it to be over I wish there was a surgery they could have done but it was too invasive so yeah the feeding tube they put in for a couple months along with a high calorie diet and they actually told me to sit in bed and watch tv like Uh they said we don't want you burning calories we don't want you exercising so I was like literally like supposed to just be still and relax so that way I could gain weight and not have my duodenum Mm -hmm. artery like like tighten up yeah yeah um when I was researching um SMA syndrome I realized that a lot of the case studies were like really recent so like 2023 2022 um when you were diagnosed was there a lot of research or causes that they knew of no there wasn't a lot of research or causes the main causes are the mental health issues Uh so anxiety depression um can lead to sma syndrome um the weight loss is Uh typically what leads to the sma syndrome um but there's not a ton of research on it so that's why they just they kind of put the feeding tube in and they want to see and they just like and that's how everything was it was let's see how this turns out it wasn't like yeah after this you're gonna be better it was let's see how this turns out Mm -hmm. which was really frustrating Mm -hmm. yeah um what good habits did you have to create after being discharged after being discharged i I had stopped smoking weed. I went to rehab and with my feeding tube um and I stopped smoking weed and then I finally got my feeding tube out. Um I kept making sure to eat full meals after I worked my way back up to whole foods, but even With Whole Foods, I tried to drink some boosts here and there. I tried not to check my weight too often because it started to mess with me mentally. Mm -hmm. It was a struggle um, not being able to gain weight as fast as I wanted to. Mm -hmm. So everything about being in the hospital and this experience was very mentally hard. Yeah. Um, what resources do you use now? Like therapy, psychiatry, I know you mentioned that. Um, right now I have, a my, before my mom was against any kind of medication, but after going through the hospital and getting a therapist and having it explained to her that leaving some things undiagnosed can cause a lot of issues physically, like 
in your physical health, mm-hmm. which is a big thing I learned is your mental health affects your physical health so much. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. Yeah, okay. Um, oh, yeah, wait. Um, I got prescribed for, I got diagnosed with anxiety and depression, and I got diagnosed with ADHD. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and sleep, sleep issues. So, okay. yeah. Mm. So I got medications for that, and I started feeling like I had a more balanced life. Mm-hmm. A little bit. It was something I had to adjust to for sure, but yeah. it was helping. Yeah. Okay. Um, and you also mentioned rehab. Um, in what ways did that help having that resource? Having that resource was just really eye-opening. Being able to see other people's lives and how what they've gone through made a real impact on how I saw the world and I didn't want to be a 40 year old addict in rehab again I wanted to be healthy I wanted to do regular things I wanted to be able to exercise and skateboard without mm-hmm. worrying about burning calories yeah like that resource was really great because they had a lot of information that helped me with the guilt of being an addict mm-hmm. um because it's hard because I'm a people pleaser mm-hmm. and just I just was constantly told it was my fault but it helped me better understand myself and it helped me better understand how to create boundaries that would keep me healthy mentally. Okay. How has this experience changed your lifestyle and your view on life? This experience really really helped me kind of it made me learn a lot about myself. But it also, it was an awful experience, but mm-hmm. I, yeah. I feel like I grew a lot from it. Mm-hmm. Um, I realized that I have to make my own happiness. I can't depend on other people mm-hmm. for happiness, and I can't fix everybody's problems, or even I can't fix my own problems. Like, yeah. I have to accept things how they are and learn to be happy with them mm-hmm. and be happy in this world. Um, yeah. Okay. What advice would you give so- to someone who is exhibiting unhealthy habits or life choices? Um, I would say... I would say maybe understand that your mental health and your physical health go hand in hand. If your physical health isn't good, then your mental health is going to be shit. 
And if your mental health isn't good, your your physical health is going to go down the drain too. Mm-hmm. Like, they're both really important. And you have to find that balance and be able to keep up with both so you can be a healthy individual. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, thank you for sharing with us, um, and I appreciate it. Of course, thank you. Mm-hmm.